0: Y'all move, you move
1: It's time, time to p- 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 podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap podcast. I'm Tyler.
2: I'm Jimmy. And this week, we're both very tired for some reason. Jimmy, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> um, I think on Monday, I narrowly avoided getting a migraine.
0: Oh, I felt shit. one
2: coming on, so I took some medicine. And so I didn't get a migraine, but I got like the imprint of a migraine. I don't have any other word to describe it, but I just feel kind a, of vaguely a, uncomfortable a, for a, a few
1: mig- days. A migraine, like an egg. Yeah, like an egg. A mig- migraine egg. It sounded like better in my head.
2: <laughs> you get vaccinated for a disease, and you don't get the disease, but you have like a super, super weak version of that. That's kind of what I feel. like.
1: Oh yeah, and you kind of just feel generally shitty for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got, I got kind of the same version over the weekend, actually. So I, I wonder oh, really? if we're just like on a weird, or are like headaches synced up? Is that how this <laughs> works? So that what happens when you podcast for too long?
2: We are of one mind, Robertson. <laughs> I shouldn't use your last name on here. I anyway, you mind. already have your last name it's, on here.
1: It's everywhere. Uh... Well, hello everyone. Welcome to you, Activated, my podcast. As I said, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. This week, we're complaining about our various illnesses and talking about season two, episode two, Mystery Duelist Part Two. There's a lot of both twos, of which make great
2: audio. A
1: lot of twos in this in this title. Uh, you know what else is a big old number two? This episode.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: it had.
2: It had some moments near the end.
1: Yes, near the end, Jimmy. Do you want to hear the official summary of this episode?
2: Oh, please do.
1: The official summary of this episode says, The mysterious menace controlling Bandit Keith shatters the Millennium Puzzle into pieces before setting the dueling arena ablaze. Can Yugi put the Millennium Puzzle back together and save the spirit before the entire room is engulfed in flames? And is it possible with the dark spirit of Bakura's Millennium Ring determined to keep the Pharaoh from returning? Yes. I mean, would it be wild if, like, it weren't possible? Sorry, folks,
2: that's the end of the show. Uh, but also... Yugi just dies in a fire. That's it. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed... What a dark turn. Our, ...our entirety of season two, which is two episodes and then Yugi dies. It's like a weird burned reverse. To death in a
1: warehouse. It's like a reverse Twin Peaks. <laughs> We're like, oh, shit, I guess this season has to be much shorter all of a sudden. Uh... But I'm just, like, I'm reading back over these things, and I'm pretty sure all of this happens in the last, like, three minutes of the episode.
2: Yeah, we ha- I was looking at our notes, and I was like, wow, there's not a whole lot going on. Nope. And then, like, most of them is about the last, yeah, the last five minutes of this episode where shit goes down.
1: Which kind of makes me feel weird about this being a two-parter. <laughs> It yeah. kind of feels like they could have just Made the first part a little bit shorter And jumped to this But
2: I don't yeah. like the rules We don't make the show We make <laughs> this show right. Where uh, we talk shit about it <laughs> Exactly
1: uh, Jimmy, before we talk about the episode in earnest, I did want to uh, bring up some some pre-show sort of announcements uh, first off being remember uh, spend your money wisely donate to Yellowhammer trans Lifeline and pancan. Uh, yeah every we don't that make that any money
2: off of this show so if you have some money and you want to make us happy, uh, go donate it to charity yeah uh
1: also. Uh the official Yu-Gi-Oh YouTube channel is beefing on our oh, yeah. turf
2: a little bit. Here's here's our news segment. There's official news.
1: Yeah. Uh the like official Yu-Gi-Oh YouTube channel has like a monthly news show now hosted by oh I did not write their names down. What are their names? It's like Sam and Dan. No last names needed.
2: <laughs> to Guys, yeah.
1: Two dudes sitting in the hot tub five feet apart because they're not gay. That's a Vine <laughs> reference, everyone. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. It. I feel like it is a good thing to have from the official Yu-Gi-Oh channel. Like, I, 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 I joked about them beefing on our turf. They're not at all because they're coming straight from the source providing Yu-Gi-Oh news.
2: Yeah, they have actual news instead the, of
1: The way that us. they are beefing on our turf is their hosts are very similar to us in two important respects. One, they don't seem to know much about Yu-Gi-Oh! Two, they got way more excited about Blue Eyes White Dragon cereal than anything else they talked about during that episode. (laughs) (laughs) They talked about, like, uh, the upcoming Berlin World Championships, like, what's probably going to be one of the biggest international tournaments of the year and got less excited about that than they did about Blue Eyes White Dragon Cereal.
2: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's Blue Eyes White Dragon Cereal. True. I didn't True watch the whole thing. Tyler, tell me about Blue Eyes White Dragon Cereal.
1: I did not get a good look at it. It looks like you're Is stereotypical... it an actual thing? It's, it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll put a... No, I'm not going to be i'm gonna be too lazy to put a link to the youtube channel i know but if you just look up like youtube Oh news uh it'll probably be the latest thing but yeah it it looked i don't know it looked like like not fruit loops but like tricks maybe it looked like branded tricks
2: okay i pulled it up tyler are you prepared for blue eyes white dragon cereal it's a real thing that you I can mean, it pre-order. Clearly,
1: it clearly left such a huge impression on me.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll I think t- it's important for us to talk about Blue-Eyes White Dragon cereal. Uh, you know
1: what? I don't disagree.
2: <laughs> Officially it's called Yu-Gi-Oh Blue-Eyes White Dragon Berry Blast cereal. Oh, you know okay. how Blue-Eyes White Dragon uh does that famous move where it opens its mouth and vomits cereal? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm familiar. Uh, I pulled up a picture of the box art, and instead of an actual photo of the cereal, it's just a bunch of uh, colorful spheres that someone clearly made in, like, Illustrator. Seems right. With uh, an illustration of Blue Eyes White Dragon. But it it's an actual thing you can order on FYE.com. Uh, you can pre-order it. It'll release on six fourteen. 2019.
1: Oh, so just a couple the, of days after this episode comes out.
2: Yeah, the day before my birthday, I get blue eyes white dragon cereal. Happy birthday! Product details: Unleash the power of the blue eyes white dragon with every bite of this delectable Fye exclusive cereal.
1: Does it? Okay. That's all the information so, they provide. So, so you take a bite
2: and then you lightning blast. <laughs> You take a bite, and then the power of Blue-Eyes White Dragon just explodes your head. How do you, like,
1: does that mean that you don't actually consume the cereal? It just sort of enters your mouth, and then (laughs) instantly leaves as you breathe lightning?
2: You You get banished to the Shadow Realm.
1: (laughs) No, that's if you let the cereal get too soggy.
2: Here, I'll drop you a link.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is like, I don't know, I... It seems fine. It's just like, it was so weird to me to watch these like, admittedly very well-dressed and well-groomed men. Yeah. Talk about Yu-Gi-Oh.
2: These guys looked like if uh, they had an actual like fashion designer there, like dressing them for the show. Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they was professionally styled. Yeah. But like 90% of the wardrobe had to be Yu-Gi-Oh themed merchandise.
1: Right. Yeah, it, it, it felt like they hired a designer just to be like, look, uh, handsome people can wear our clothes too.
2: Here, put a, a nice sweater on over this uh, Yu-Gi-Oh shirt.
1: And no one will notice that it's a Yu-Gi-Oh shirt. <laughs> that was the other thing. That was the other thing that kind of caught me off guard with that too. It's like they are well styled, but the the like shirts that they were showing off f- during the episode, because they, they talked about them, you know, that they were wearing them. Mm -hmm. They're these, like, sort of impressionist, like, abstract takes on Yu-Gi-Oh! characters. Like, one was Yugi uh, sort of, like, looking over his shoulder back at the camera. And then the other was, I think it was Dark Magician Girl, if I'm remembering correctly. But it was, like, just a monotone sort of silhouette of Dark Magician Girl. And they were both, like, if you were just at a distance and didn't know what the thing was you would not be able to tell that it was, like, a, even an anime character, much less a Yu-Gi-Oh! character. It was kind of just like, oh, that's a that's a design on that
2: T-shirt. Uh, See, that's the kind of stuff that actually looks really cool. It does. And, like, it, unless you're already familiar with Yu-Gi-Oh!, you wouldn't probably notice it.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I guess maybe that's the point, but it just was kind of weird. I don't know, something about the news video just felt off to me. For some reason, it was like it was desperately trying to forget that it was about Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was just jealous. That's probably more likely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other thing that's going on uh, this week is E3.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: A lot of video game announcements are happening. A lot of video games are coming out this year and next. Uh, I actually... uh, I. I think I told you about this, Jimmy? I bought some new RAM for my computer so I can actually mm-hmm. like edit a podcast like a normal person and not have to wait thirty minutes for it to load. Important, and, very important, and I can play games. Uh, so I've been like going through a backlog of games that I've like put on my wish list for years and have always said, "Ah, maybe one day when I have a computer that can run that." Um, and
2: uh, living the dream.
1: I, yeah, you know, as a part of that, I wanted to ask. You, and maybe ask our audience, like, I'm sure there are some listeners out here who have played Yu-Gi-Oh! video games, because I want to know what the best Yu-Gi-Oh! video game is. Uh, Well, there's
2: no point in asking me, I don't know.
1: Well, so, so, well, I think what we can do, because I don't really know anything about them either... What we might be able to do is look at some of the names of Yu-Gi-Oh! video games that have come out and maybe sort of divine which ones are at least the more interesting of the the selections. Uh, I, I pulled up a list on Wikipedia. It's just a, an article titled, List of Yu-Gi-Oh! video games. Simple enough. Uh, first chronological Yu-Gi-Oh! video game, Jimmy. Can you guess what it's called? Yu-Gi-Oh! Nope. Well, I mean, yes, Yu-Gi-Oh! is in the title. Uh, It is titled Yu-Gi-Oh! Monster Capsule Breed and Battle.
2: Oh, you make the monsters fuck. (laughs) And battle. (laughs)
1: Uh, That was out in 1998 for PlayStation, then Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, 1998 on Game Boy, uh Yu-Gi-Oh Forbidden Memories is the only game, oh pardon me, is the not the only game but the earliest game with its own Wikipedia article. That was 1999 mm-hmm. on the PlayStation. Yu-Gi-Oh Monster Capsule GB, uh which stands for great boning, uh clearly. <laughs> uh if if anything if we learned anything about Monster Capsules is that's the only storyline they can have.
2: A lot of making the monsters breed.
1: Right. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Duelist of the Roses, 2001. I'm skipping a few here. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Sacred Cards, uh, which was known in Japan as Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monster 7, The Duel City Legend. Uh, This one may have my favorite name. This is 2002 on the GameCube. Yu-Gi-Oh! The False Bound Kingdom. Known in Japan as Yu-Gi-Oh! False Bound Kingdom, colon, The Confined Imaginary Kingdom.
2: That's spooky. I like it.
1: Uh th- yeah, that one might be my favorite. The next one that came after it, it has an odd title. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh Reshef of Destruction. Rechef. What? Reshef. What? R E S H E F. Reshef of Destruction. Don't know what a Reshef is. Don't know why it would have it's destruction you Reheat attached to it. a chef. That's kind of <laughs> what it sounds like. Uh and then we get into like some kind of, I don't know, eh, eh, names. Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters Beginners Pack. Maybe that's where I should start. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship Tournament 2004. Yu-Gi-Oh! Destiny Board Traveler, uh, which kind of sounds like Yu-Gi-Oh! doing a Ouija board. Uh, Power of Chaos. Capsule Monster Coliseum. uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Online in 2007.
2: Gotta Uh, say, there's a crap ton more Yu-Gi-Oh! games than I would have imagined.
1: There are so many Yu-Gi-Oh! games The new one uh, that has come out is Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist is coming out for Nintendo Switch this year, actually. Um, But I I think there's already a PC release, if I'm not mistaken. It might just be under a different name. Uh, But yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like... And maybe we'll just have to, like, look up videos of them or hear from the audience, but I was thinking about video games, I was watching E3 stuff, and I was thinking, man, I should really figure out, like, what... What is the one Yu-Gi-Oh game that I should play to get like the best Yu-Gi-Oh video game experience? Uh, so if we determine what that is, maybe I'll try like streaming the Yu-Gi-Oh game or something. Do like a oh that'd be fun. A, you activated my live stream or something like that. But, I don't know. Yeah, not a fully formed thought, but I want to focus. on Folks, if you have
2: opinions on Yu-Gi-Oh video games, please tweet at us or Tyler and make him play a video game.
1: please make me play games uh did you have anything else you want to talk about that was kind of my list
2: no i mean we talked we can't talk more about e3 without going on severe nintendo tangents no no
1: no no. that is a different (laughs) podcast my friend
2: let's uh let's continue on
1: all right okay it's time to discuss the episode Jimmy, as I mentioned, this is Season 2, Episode 2, Mystery of the Duelist, Part 2, a big old number 2 of an episode. Uh, where does it start? <laughs> or I guess where did we leave off?
2: Uh, when last we met our heroes, Yugi was in an abandoned uh, warehouse playing card games with uh, the mind-controlled body of Bandit Keith.
1: If two people are in a warehouse, can it truly be said to be abandoned?
2: I mean, yes. (laughs) Fair. Uh,
1: Yeah, so they're dueling. Uh, In the last episode, Bandit Keith had, like, not yet revealed himself, right? He was just sort of this, like, mind puppet. And he kept playing machine cards, which is what gave it away, because clearly only one person can play machine cards. So now it's been revealed, like, yes, this is Bandit Keith. Yes, he's mind-controlled. Blah, 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 blah. Old news. Uh, And we open on that duel in which the mysterious Puppet Master character, who has yet to be named, uh, compares Yugi to a rodent in the grasp of a rattlesnake.
2: Yep. Um, I I do want to point out uh, Yugi... We start the episode. Yugi is still at the mercy of Zira the Mant.
1: That was the card. Thank you. I couldn't remember.
2: Uh, He has no cards, no monsters or anything. Um, It looks like he's about to get taken down. I do want to point out, despite this being Bandit Keith's deck, Mm -hmm. um, there's no more machines from here on out. Yeah.
1: Mostly because
2: I think of because of cheating. Because he has that um, that Assassin's Creed card dealy thing that he brings cards in from his sleeve. So from here on out, there's no Bandit Keith like cards. It's just uh, like super powerful magic cards and monsters and stuff.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the the like canonical reason for that I
2: think is that
1: the cards that are in the little Assassin's Creed doohickey are the mysterious puppet masters cards right like they're not they're not keith's cards but it also kind of implies that like in this universe as of now machine cards can only get so powerful right like there's not an there's not an all-powerful quote-unquote machine card they're just machine cards that are like
2: pretty okay
1: and then there's a bajillion cards that are better than machine cards
2: and if he has all these like super powerful cards hidden up his sleeve when Uh, The puppet master just give him A deck of like really good cards Instead of making Bandit Keith use his Shitty machine cards Yes exactly
1: we could have avoided so many issues (laughs) Uh, So Yugi's
2: staring down uh, Zero the Mant mm -hmm. Uh, It's the Yu-Gi-Oh drinking game Every time Yugi faces a card that's unbeatable Or all powerful you take a shot You'll be drunk into the floor (laughs)
1: I mean, are you counting each time that monster shows up or just like each episode?
2: Each episode. Okay, because I
1: feel like that's just like a shot in the episode, which isn't too bad.
2: I mean, there's a lot of things in Yu-Gi-Oh! we could make an official drinking game out of, but That's
1: true. That he might does, be my, my He next does show
2: uh, up facing down uh like invincible, all powerful cards like every single time he does anything.
1: Yugi, Yugi faces off against unbeatable monsters like it's going out of style. Uh, but, yeah, so he, he's, he's trying not to make eye contact with Zero the man's Codpiece. Uh, and uh, what, is he, what is he? The Puppet Master has a line.
2: Yeah, the Puppet Master is just sitting on a throne far away somewhere, just kind of monologuing to himself mm-hmm. the whole time. He says the end is near, little Yugi, and with it will come a new beginning. My beginning. For soon I will be the keeper of that millennium puzzle.
1: <laughs> Which is just like—it's such perfect like villain monologuing, right?
2: Yeah. If you ever find yourself uh, in a room alone, mind controlling someone, and like saying stuff like that, maybe take a look inward and ask: Are you a bad person? Are you a villain? <laughs>
1: I, uh, I think a lot about that XKCD comic where somebody's just like sitting alone at home and then whispers quietly, I know you're watching. <laughs> just like in case the FBI is listening in, right? Just yeah. to, like mess with them. I, really sometimes I think about monologuing maniacally when I'm sitting home alone. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Uh, so Keith destroys both of Yugi's monsters. Then he puts two cards uh, on the field face down and switches Zero the Mant to defense mode. And then he's like, confused, Yugi? It will all make sense soon!
2: Yeah. uh, We're gonna play fast and loose with the duel this episode and just kind of breeze through it, because more than any other episode, the duel in this one literally does not matter at all.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of sad about it, too, because, like, this tactic that he's setting up is legitimately a very cool dueling tactic. Like, It's something where if you saw it happen in Duel Links, you would be like, oh shit, oh shit, what is happening? Like,
2: freaking out, right? Yeah, there's Uh, some actual good moves going on, but uh, for reasons that will come apparent later, uh, they don't mean anything.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So Yugi uh, is typically Yugi. He plays Dark Magician with magical hats. Uh, So hiding Dark Magician in one of the magical hats so that Zir the Mant doesn't know which one to hit. Keith immediately counters with the trap card Magic Jammer, which is one of the two cards that he put face down. Magic Jammer is a blue deck counter spell. Oh, yeah.
2: This was a definite blue deck magic card here.
1: Uh, He pulls a a nope, uh, and the magical hats are dispelled, uh, to which Yugi says, my dark magician's exposed. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, dark magician. Hmm. Uh, magic
2: jammer seems like a really good card we haven't seen much of this sort of thing before but it literally can counteract any magic card that you play yeah so i'm surprised it hasn't been more of a thing
1: yeah I'm, i feel like this should be a card that more players have you know like this should be a a pretty high value thing uh there are some other things that yugi does that are similar in this duel but i feel like just you know Tapping one blue mana and getting rid of uh, <laughs> getting rid of. Them. I'm so sorry. I keep going back to Magic here, uh. But uh, yeah. You know, getting rid of a Magic card sounds like a really good, like, thing to have in your back pocket. So yeah,
2: I don't know, a solid uh, investment.
1: Yeah. Uh, Keith uh, then also switches uh switches up the attack position of all monsters on the on the field using a card called. What was it called? I don't actually I, remember. I forget what I didn't it write was it down. Why didn't it, it was do that? some
2: like ritual or something. But it basically if your monster is in defense mode, it switches to attack mode. If it's in attack mode, it switches to defense mode.
1: Right. So the uh defense mode, Dark Magician, gets switched to attack mode. Or no, pardon me, it was stop defense, is what the card was. Stop defense. Stop defense. So, Zier the Mant and Dark Magician are both in defense mode, and because of stop defense, they have to stop defending. Simple enough. Uh, And they are switched to attack mode, meaning that Zier the Mant can attack Dark Magician and defeat Dark Magician and take the rest of Yugi's life points. Aha! But, Yugi plays Mirror Force, which reflects Zier the Mant's attack right back at Zier the Mant. Which is, Oh no! What whatever shall Bandit Keith do? His precious of the Mant is about to be destroyed. Ah, but wait—he plays Solemn Judgment. Solemn Judgment uh, is a card that lets Bandit Keith pl- pay life points, but then dispel magic. So it's yeah, another it's 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 counter another spell. Count yeah, it's it's essentially a more powerful quote unquote more powerful spell that just costs some life points.
2: This is literally just the Ganondorf fight in Ocarina of Time, where you're just bouncing it back and forth. There's this mm-hmm. one attack that keeps going between them, and they just keep swatting it around. Yeah, this is very, like, Wii Tennis in a way. Like, you're just kind of, <laughs> of flailing
1: wildly with the stick as the ball goes back and forth. <laughs> uh, Solemn Judgment, which I see your note here, Jimmy, is definitely just Moses, right? Like this yeah. Is- Like uh, this is God and or Moses looking down upon
2: ye works and despairing. Uh, I mean, look at this card. Um, It's when he plays it. It's just an old bearded man dressed in robes who comes out, and he's got two angels next to him who are like in prayer. And his judgment is that the uh, the magic is dispelled. I guess.
1: Yeah, like his judgment is that magic should stop.
2: He will, okay. he will, uh, it's Moses in the parting of your life points. <laughs> so,
1: but so what he does is really, uh, I, I, I have a hard time kind of following this in, in the show. I feel like in the rules of the game, I don't know that I would let bandit Keith swing it this way because what he does is he uses solemn judgment to dispel mirror force so that Zero the Man's attack actually did go through. But it kind of feels like, at least in the way they animated it, the attack is still going back to Zero the Man, right? Like, the effects of Mirror Force already took place. You can't just, like, undo it.
2: Yeah, I'm not... I mean, it's they play it up for dramatic reasons, for dramatic yeah. effect. Um, at least in Magic... Rules. this would probably all happen instantaneously oh i see because you're playing an instant which would counter a counter spell yeah so yeah who
1: knows? but but anyway so like okay zero the man's attack goes through uh he kills dark magician he deals damage to Yugi's life points yugi's at like a 100 life points now
2: yeah, he's at, like, 200, and Bandit Keith is, like, at 250 or something like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and
1: uh, we cut outside to Bakura, who has found the warehouse and is using the Millennium Ring to track down what I have labeled BSRE, Big Shadow Realm Energy.
2: <sighs> That's his reaction, too. He's like, hmm, I'm sensing more than just the Millennium Puzzle here. I'm sensing all kinds of magical powers.
1: I almost Shadow did it in power. good Kura's British accent, but I remembered that it's bad Kura. So it's something along the lines of, the Shadow realm. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Uh, it, bad Kura's voice continues to sound like, like, you know, uh, that frog from Looney Tunes, the one that does like the, the dance with the hat and the cane. Is that a Looney Tunes thing? the one that's like hello my baby hello my darling hello my rag that frog yeah uh i think so i don't remember it's like if that frog chain smoked for 20 years is what (laughs) Bakura's voice sounds like uh but so yeah so bakura shows up and
2: uh it's like he's definitely more of a an emperor palpatine sort of voice Mm, yes 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 definitely So, Um, because Bakuro goes in, apparently he got to the second story of this warehouse somehow. Somehow. And he looks down and he's like, what's this? A dueling arena? As though he's surprised to figure out what show he's in. Of course, it's a dueling (laughs) arena in there. You idiot.
1: I'm also just like, okay, well, what? Like, okay, you detected Shadow Realm energy, which... Like, the only people involved in the Shadow Realm are all inextricably tied to this children's card game. Like, what were you expecting to find here? <laughs> just, like, a like a pit and, like, oh, there's the Shadow Realm.
2: Oh, it's this hole in the ground. It's this portal.
1: Yeah, fucking, I don't know, hopscotch uh, uh, chalk lines or something? Like, I don't, I don't know. It, it just seems too surprised. Like, more surprised than this revelation deserves. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the duel uh, that Bakura is now watching, and Keith draws, in air quotes, he, he Assassin's Creed, Hidden Blades himself, uh, a card called Tribute to the Doomed, which uh, the mysterious puppet master tells us is one of the rarest magic cards in the game.
2: Uh, it's very kind of this uh, mysterious evil puppet master to explain to Yugi what all his cards do.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very like, I mean, I get monologuing to yourself in an evil way, but some of it is said out loud through Bandit Keith as well, just to be like, let me detail to you the many ways in which I will ruin your life, young child.
2: Except it's just rules to a card game.
1: Right, right, exactly. So he's
2: like explaining like basic whatever the card does, but he does it in this like cackling evil voice.
1: Oh, I should start doing that with D&D. Like next time I next time I DM a game, just have a villain that reads off their stats in a menacing way.
2: <laughs> and now
1: I shall use my plus three attack to gain a bonus to my roll. Ah, and I have multi-attack allowing me two claws and a bite. Ha ha ha. That would
2: be so obnoxious. Please do this.
1: And now I shall roll a D twenty, which is a twenty sided die. One of the most sided dice in the game.
2: Just ex have him explain to the party everything he does like he doesn't respect that the fact that they know that they're playing D&D. Right.
1: And that's his true power is just revealing to the characters that they are characters in a game.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh... Ouch, I have been injured if my <laughs> I can't tell you exactly how I have been injured but uh if like how normally I feel is out of 50. I am at roughly 35.
1: <laughs> I have been struck for what feels like four damage. <laughs> uh so, <laughs> so Tribute to the Doomed is like this, I don't know, this fucking like the mummy with Brendan Fraser card. Uh and what it does is I guess it just like fucking annihilates a card on the field like it can just exile a card yeah uh, this
2: mummy comes up and then like its wrappings kind of pop off of it and like go flying towards they pop the other card they pop off
1: it's lit fam
2: yeah uh, but the, the attack is it like wraps up the the enemy monster in its wrappings and like pulls it down to hell or the shadow realm or wherever
1: are hell and the shadow realm two different places, do you think?
2: I think so. The shadow realm is definitely more it I get the sense that the shadow realm is more of like a like a cryptic dimension. It's not hell, it's like a like a dark prison basically.
1: It's like hell's foyer. Yeah. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> So, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about this d and d villain. <laughs> Welcome to my five square by five square chamber uh so <laughs> the
2: card ah trying to sneak past me. eh good thing I have an attack of opportunity I shall use to trip you.
1: Little do you know that one of my abilities is true sight, which allows me to see the invisible rogue in front of me uh. so so tribute to the doomed can annihilate one card they use the word annihilate somewhere in there which i think is why i wrote it down it just seems like an odd word for a card mechanic because that's like not you can destroy it you can destroy a monster you can send a monster to the graveyard annihilate seems like a very strong word to put in a card rule
2: yeah that's like uh going back to magic it's like exile where it's removed from the game entirely
1: yeah, but it's, like, one step further. Like, this is what happened to that blue eyes in Episode 1.
2: Yeah. You just you got... Just, it was more than destroyed. It was just reduced to nothing.
1: Yeah. It was like,
2: unmade.
1: Not only do you remove the card from play, you tear it up and throw it in your opponent's face. You chuck it into the ocean. Uh, but, so this spell is coming towards uh Yugi. I forget even what card it's being directed at. Uh, but you counters with Living Arrow, which destroys Zero Hello, the
2: Mant. I'm Living Arrow. <laughs> uh,
1: because Living Arrow can take I'm, any... I'm alive, <laughs> but
0: I'm about to die.
1: Living Arrow can take any magical effect and redirect it so that it points at any monster. So it redirects the Tribute to the Doomed to point back at Zera the Mant, which destroys Zera the Mant.
2: Correction, it annihilates Zero the Mant. <laughs> More like Zero the Can't. <laughs> Ayyy! <Aye>. Uh. <laughs> Zero the Mant is wrapped up in mummy bandages and, like, a giant demon hand comes up and grabs him and pulls him down into the battlefield.
1: It's actually, like, a pretty good effect. I'm not... Yeah. I, I Like, I'm ragging on this card kind of a lot just because of the the wording here and the... I don't know, the card art is, like, so-so. But the idea of, like my physical playing card has been pulled into the bowels of hell is actually kind of good. Uh, it goes to
2: the card graveyard.
1: Right. Uh, so at this point, Bakura catches on to Bandit Keith being a, a mind puppet. Uh, yeah, he catches he, on pretty quickly, actually.
2: He's like, wow, I'm sensing a lot of like dark energy in here and it's not coming from Yugi. Um, good thing this Millennium Ring lets me just... Scan my opponents to see what magical stuff is going on with them.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of you, you get kind of the sense of like he sees Bandit Keith and feels the dark energy, and he he kind of puts two and two together and is like, "Oh, I wanted to do that."
2: <laughs> hey, that, <laughs> that was, was my Bandit be my Keith, my mind
1: puppet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: so he just just like, well, th- this won't do. Uh, let me just sever that r- that bond i guess let me let me sever that uh those puppet strings yeah he's mad
2: because he does not want anyone besides himself to get a hold of the millennium puzzle and he sees this other guy going after it and be like hey i was gonna steal that
1: i called dibs
2: (laughs) hey man i called dibs on that millennium puzzle
1: it's like millennium idol uh millennium idol millennium item uh like shotgun rules.
2: I call shotgun on the millennium puzzle.
1: <laughs> uh so he just like extends his hand and goes
2: Mom nope. said it's my turn on the Millennium Puzzle.
1: And he he severs the control that uh this mysterious malefactor has on Bandit Keith. And uh the puppet master is like, but how? Only another Millennium item can sever a connection so strong and the Millennium Puzzle is right there and yugi didn't do it so who did oh no
2: magic used against me it's more likely than you think
1: (laughs) and my good christian suburbs um so bandit keith wakes up uh and kind of like realizes that he's not where he remembered being and he poor bandit keith like He's like, "Where am I? What's going on?" And he looks down at his robes and he goes, "And what on earth am I wearing?"
2: <laughs> Poor Ben Imagine waking up uh, for the first time in a long time and you're in the middle of a duel versus Yugi, the guy who ruined your aspirations and he thoroughly kicked you at your ass and got you kicked off an island. Talking about
1: every day of my life, my friend.
2: <laughs> so uh, he. Uh, starts to get... The mysterious figure tries to regain his mind control over Keith, who's, like, shaking his head and, like, trying to resist it. And is not having a good time.
1: No, and it's... Not having a good time kind of, like, puts it mildly. Like, this is a part where I feel really bad for Keith. You know, because he, like... Is is clearly like is, he's like physically struggling against this mind control,
2: right? Yeah, I mean and he's a piece of shit, but he doesn't deserve what's going on. He has no, no idea what's going on or why it's happening. Uh, I imagine it's uh, absolutely terrifying.
1: Yeah, and he's he's just like screaming and panicking, and like grabbing his head, and it must be like scary as shit. But then, so the mysterious figure eventually does regain control of Keith. And this is where the episode, like, actually pops off, right?
2: Yeah, here we and go.
1: This is minute 15 of the episode. <laughs> we are five minutes from the end of the episode at this point. Uh, so the, the puppet master takes over and has Keith run, like, hop down off the dueling podium, run across the dueling arena grab the Millennium Puzzle in his human hands and smash it against the side of the dueling arena, just, like, shattering it into
2: its component parts, right? And he's shouting, If I can't have it, no one can! And we get this, like, 10-second-long reaction shot of Yugi staring at this, going, "No!" Because, obviously, if someone takes apart a puzzle, you can't solve it anymore, even though you already did
1: I mean this was the puzzle that like presumably was out in the wild for what however long grandpa had it like it was it was, uh, you know in existence right however long yeah. grandpa had it plus 5,000 years and nobody solved it and like yeah if it took me 5,000 years to solve a puzzle I'd be pretty pissed too granted it, did, it took Yugi I don't know 10 minutes or whatever but still. yeah a
2: couple of hours
1: yeah uh and you know eh, this soul just happens to contain the soul of you know a, an important figure uh yeah sure i'd be pretty pissed if my mentor soul was in a puzzle that i'd solved
2: <laughs> and someone took general. it apart. yeah uh
1: but yeah then if somebody took it apart smashed it against the wall that'd be uh that'd be kind of upsetting
2: then uh, suddenly, like, Indiana Jones, out from the rafters, Uh Bakura comes sweeping in on, like, a rope that is just hanging from the ceiling Uh because it's an abandoned warehouse, and that's what you have in abandoned warehouses.
1: Yeah, Bakura just keeps finding shit in this warehouse. Like, he found a way upstairs. He found an upstairs. Like, we've seen high-up shots in this warehouse before, and there is no second floor. Uh... And then suddenly he finds a rope just conveniently? Is this a another power of the Millennium Ring that we weren't previously aware of? He can just summon warehouse
2: parts. <laughs> it finds souls and also uh local items that may be of use to you.
1: <laughs> is it a is it a harbor freight? <laughs> is the millennium <laughs> ring just just straight up like a discount Lowe's? <laughs> uh so yeah, but he swoops in uh Georgia the jungle style and like bodies bandit keith out of the way
2: <laughs> yeah he just full-on like smacks right into bandit keith and sends him flying off the edge of the the dueling arena and bandit keith like falls it only looks like he falls like four feet or something but he is knocked out
1: i mean it's it's not like it's not a small distance right like he is he is flung sideways yeah yeah but to let's be think fair, about it the... is a parabola. <laughs> True. Okay, yes. Uh, l- I just want to think about the physics of this, though. Because, like, Bandit Keith, if we had to think about this person in, in human proportions, I'd guess, what, six foot, six foot two, maybe? Yeah, like, and he's
0: ripped.
2: He weighs a good couple hundred pounds.
1: Yeah, easily, like, I would say somewhere between 200 and 250 pounds, right?
2: He is a fully grown man. He is. he Yeah, exactly. He, he is a, a big boy. Somebody this waif of a teenager comes flying through and hits him and he goes flying.
1: This Yeah, this paper thin, like 13 year old child yeah. who does not have like uh, any meat on his body whatsoever. I would not
2: be surprised if Bakura weighs less than like Taya. He is oh, absolutely. A, a skinny, skinny kid.
1: I, he reminds me, actually, of a friend that I had in high school who was, like, less than 90 pounds up until we turned 17. <laughs> Just impossibly skinny, right? Yeah. And so, okay, yes, he's swinging from the distance. Yes, he's got some momentum behind him. But I don't know... I don't know if just Bakura's body would be able to move Bandit Keith in that sort of way. Like, there has to be some sort of magic happening here to make this happen.
2: You think uh, Bakura, Badkura, imbued his tiny skinny teen body with shadow energy just to knock Bandit Keith off a ledge?
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing, I think what we're seeing is proof that shadow energy has mass. <laughs>
2: We're we're get deep, diving deep into the physics of the shadow realm.
1: It's the it's the weight of the shadow energy that allowed Bakura to knock Bandit Keith across the room.
2: That's what dark matter is. Half the universe is just the shadow realm. <laughs> there, is,
1: there? It is. We all live in the graveyard at all times. Welcome to America. Uh, so, uh, Wondering where half
2: the universe is, huh? Physicists, have you considered card games? <laughs>
1: You know what? I'm willing to bet they have not.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: so the 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 thing that happens here is Bakura does the whole swoopy swoop, and then starts helping Yugi pick up the pieces. And he's playing the the good Kura role, right? Like he's got his oh, I pip pip cheerio sort of British accent back, uh, and he is helping Yugi pick stuff up. He says that Taya told him that Yugi was. Uh, you know, chasing off after the Millennium Puzzle, um, and he casts, like, he, he holds a, a piece for himself for a minute.
2: Yeah, behind his back, because Yugi is, like, like scraping all the pieces towards him.
1: And he casts this, like, curse on it. It sort of starts to glow with, like, a green energy, and it took a minute to for me to fully sort of register what was happening here because he ends up explaining it. He puts to himself, he explains it to himself, which is helpful for us. Uh, But he puts a piece of his soul into that piece of the millennium puzzle so that when the puzzle is put back together, he can traverse the inner millennium workings of it.
2: Yeah, the the uh, the M C Escher esque labyrinth of the mind inside the Millennium Puzzle. He's he putting a Horcrux inside a Horcrux. Yeah, he is, isn't he? You're a dog. I heard you like Horcruxes. Which like? So you put a Horcrux in your Horcrux. It
1: really, I don't know. It, make, it makes me wonder. Like, okay, does this mean that at some point in the in the way back? Yami Yugi put a, a horcrux curse on the millennium puzzle as a whole and like put his whole being into the puzzle and does it also mean that if everyone really had their their wherewithal and, and sort of the magical capability to do so could I, I don't know i don't know how many pieces are in the millennium puzzle but could say 50 people each put a piece of their soul and just have like a like a rave in the millennium puzzle just like party it up in the MC <laughs> yeah. Escher
2: thing. Yugi's brain is going to become awfully crowded. I mean,
1: I don't know about you Jimmy, but I feel like two is already a crowd in this case. Like if there were yeah, two if people in my you have more than head, one soul in
2: your much. brain. That's a little it's a it's a, a little complicated.
1: Like this goes beyond like this is not a personality disorder. This is not like Uh, dissociative identity disorder, this is not hearing voices in your head, this is not even an imaginary friend. This is legit the soul of a person coinciding with your own.
2: Yeah, Yugi's going to put on the Millennium Puzzle and be like, what the fuck? Get out of there. And he like turns it upside down and smacks it and like a pile of people just start (laughs) falling out.
1: Would they be tiny people though?
2: (laughs) This is a little tiny Bakura hanging on the edge of the millennium puzzle oh i'd like to be in here <laughs> i want to explore the millennium puzzle
1: makes me want to start a club called the millennium puzzle
2: uh, <laughs> uh you can't leave nope <laughs> you can never leave it's just a labyrinth
1: cover charge one million dollars one soul uh exactly uh this was previously known as the hotel california Uh, so Bakura also explains that when all seven millennium items are possessed by a single person, that person will then possess the power to take over the world.
2: Because that's what everyone wants.
1: It's the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Uh, and And, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. the, The ancient Pharaoh had this power. Uh, during in in ancient Egyptian times, during the Shadow Games, and it's like, all right, this is no one man can have all that power. Clocks uh, ticking, just count the hours. And so he, the ancient pharaoh, is the one who took the power and divided it among the millennium items. He made these items. I don't know if he made them, but he definitely gave them their power
1: in the fires of Mount Doom.
2: In <laughs> But they were all of them deceived for another Millennium item was made. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, it shows like silhouettes of the fair.
1: Sorry, before we go on. Now that you've said but another Millennium item was made. Jimmy, I have seen very little beyond season two. How and nobody, nobody listening to the show spoil this for us. How buck wild would it be if we get to the end of fucking season five or whatever it is, and it's just like, I don't know, grandpa or somebody is like, oh, yeah, there was this other, there was this eighth millennium item the whole time. I don't know what that does. Ching ching chink.
2: Oh, it controls all the others. Hooray, we win. <laughs> Tur- turns everyone who has a millennium item into like a wraith. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't know if that's I mean, what's going to happen. I I'm blind to beyond that point, but I'm just going to leave that little sort of sort of pin in it. You be, pin. When
2: I was exploring that tomb, I did find this other golden artifact, but it was so small. I thought it would be useless. Anyway, let me put it on for the first time and see what happens.
1: Grandpa Toe Rings were out of style last year. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, I'm so sorry. Continue with what's happening in the episode.
2: Anyway, we see, like, the silhouettes of the Pharaoh and his retinue. And the Pharaoh obviously has a giant spiky hairdo. I wonder who that could have been. Hmm. Hmm. Um, But I'm wondering why, if they wanted to keep all this power, all these items separate from each other... Why would they put them in a tomb, just, like, storing three of them next to each other?
1: They stored all seven of them next to each other.
2: Was it all seven? I don't remember. I remember seeing the slots that they fit in.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. So there were a few slots of, like, where people had already taken Millennium Puzzles out, It's or Millennium Items out, rather. Uh, It's the same shot we've seen before. It's like... Okay, yeah, here's the keys to the doomsday device. Uh, Better keep those separate for safety. Uh, Two inches is separate enough.
2: All on the same key ring. Right. (laughs) Just don't use them, please. (laughs) And it's just like... What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Exactly.
1: But, I mean, honor among thieves, right? If people have already started taking Millennium items, good on them for only taking one at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just, I don't know, there's something about, there's there's some kind of logic to that, I guess, like, keeping everything in one spot, but, man, it would have been a much different story if they'd buried them in different places, huh?
2: Wasn't there some, like, trial that Pegasus had to go through to get the Millennium Eye?
1: Yeah, they each have this, like, trial of the spirit of some kind, they have to be, like, judged. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the thing with the Millennium Puzzle is that if you can solve it, that's its way of judging you.
2: Still, you don't want to keep these things next to each other. Right. If you're worthy of one Millennium item, chances are you're worthy of two.
1: Right, exactly. Like, who's to say that you that you can't do multiple, right? Like, that's kind of explicit now in the show is that you can, if you win them in a duel, apparently, uh, take multiple Millennium items. So, like... I don't know, something in here doesn't track. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, okay, what the fuck else happens? Uh, Bakura uh, puts his his horcruxed piece uh, back in Yugi's hands, uh, and Yugi is like, I can't break the chain, I have to solve this shit. Because if we remember from last episode, Yugi bought himself an extra strength uh, A giant
2: ass bike chain,
1: right? To keep people from stealing it. Whoops, that backfired.
2: Yeah, and uh, he gives the piece back to Yugi, and you, we see that Yugi has already like started putting the pieces back together, and he's already solved like half of the puzzle again.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he's like you said, he's done it once. He can kind of get the edge pieces, you know, figure out where those go, and 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 the rest will come to him. Uh, and then Bakura just like fucks off
2: yeah he's like i need to get back to school i'll and Yugi's like okay i'll see you there So it's like i need to get back to school have fun alone in this abandoned warehouse with an unconscious possessed man right while you try and get this puzzle off the wall bye
1: and and the thing is not like i'm i'm not shocked by that right like bakura gives zero fucks at this point i'm shocked that yugi is just like okay cool see ya see
0: all right bye at school.
1: i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get this super valuable artifact off the wall somehow uh and hope that this deranged possessed mind puppet doesn't kill me in the
2: meantime yeah see ya in math hopefully he doesn't wake up in the next two minutes right (laughs) and you'd think you'd think bakura would want to stick around and like make sure That his Millennium puzzle is safe because his whole thing is that he wants Yugi to have it so he knows exactly who to take it from.
1: Well, and like, and even if he's masquerading as Good Kura, like, Good Kura would still have a vested interest in making sure that the Millennium puzzle is safe because he's one of the only people that knows about Millennium items.
2: Yeah. Like, he. Like, holy shit, this super powerful artifact is just sitting here. I'm gonna let my friend. Just stay here with it. I'm gonna leave and not worry about this, like... It's like if you were one of the only people in the world who knew what nukes are, and then your friend at school also had a nuke and people keep trying to steal it, and you're like, oh, I guess I'll just leave you here with it, with this guy who just tried to steal it from you.
1: Right, yeah, it just... Either Bakura is just sick of playing like playing the game so to speak or he's so confident that his horcrux within a horcrux plan is going to happen that he just doesn't care at this point
2: yeah no matter what happens to the millennium puzzle he does have like a tracking device on it with his soul in it
1: yeah which sounds like probably the best version of those little like tile trackers you know like yeah "No, no no i don't want an app I want to put part of my soul in my suitcase, please. I know
2: exactly where it is because I can feel myself there. Right. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> so,
1: so. They, but really, they
2: just need to get Bakura out of the way so they can move the plot along.
1: Exactly, yeah. Because the next thing that happens is, of course, Bandit Keith does wake up. The Puppet Master tries to get Keith to stand up, go back to the podium, and finish the duel. Because, as we realize now, the duel is technically still going everyone's cards are still on the tables everything's still in motion it's just they've hopped down from the podiums to take care of this puzzle situation
2: the monsters are just kind of sitting there having a smoke break like all right we're ready to go whenever you guys are yeah
1: yeah they've just been in their idle animation this whole time just slowly like (laughs) shuffling up and down uh so at this point keith is like really trying to struggle against the mind control though right and he ends up grabbing this metal pole out of nowhere because again i guess it's a warehouse which just has random shit lying around and he starts flailing it around
2: yeah he's like hallucinating uh the evil puppet master like standing in front of him and he's like trying to swat him with the the pole
1: Yeah, he pulls, like, a fucking, like, Star Wars kid and just starts, like, (laughs) swinging it wildly,
2: right? That's exactly what it is.
1: And, uh, of of course, because this is just the show that it is, he swings it into some, like, uh, electrical boxes?
2: Yeah, speaking of, like, random stuff left behind in this abandoned warehouse, there's some high-voltage electrical, like, machinery that's still there. conduits. Yeah, it's like um like in Frankenstein, one of those giant machines with a giant switch that you have to pull down to mm-hmm. to, to do anything. He that one of those is still there and still getting power and he hits it with the pull and it just kind of rips in half.
1: Yeah, it's just like I mean it, it, like this is definitely the like the thing that's powering the dueling arena, right?
2: Oh yeah. Um, and there's also just, like, a hanging power cord. not And that's not even a cord. It's like a, a full, like a... I call it shock wire. Because if you touch it, you die. It's like uh, a telephone pole cable.
1: Yeah, it's huge.
2: and it it's, has, it's like as thick as your wrist. And, has and he, he just no swats right being it. there. <laughs> it's just hanging in midair. Um, and he severs it. And this high voltage... That wire that's like sparking in like true video game logic falls down and it hits some gasoline cans which are Again, sitting directly under it
1: another perfectly normal thing to have in this abandoned warehouse <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is exactly like video game rules where there's bad guys in a warehouse and they're standing right next to some explosive barrels for you to shoot right
1: i fully exp- like I, I well maybe not expect but i wanted there to be a cutaway shot to like some random construction company and like one guy in in a like a, he's got like a foreman badge on turns to a guy in a hard hat and is like hey jerry you remember to pick up the gas cans from that last job right and he goes no actually now that you mention it i think i left them there why do you ask oh no
2: reason yeah you have expect to see like a crate nearby full of ammo and health packs right <laughs> Uh, actually if I'm a tangent a little bit in Half-Life 2 uh, which was famous for having explosive barrels just all over the fucking place uh, they partially entertained the idea of one of the levels being inside like an explosive barrel factory to oh explain God. why there's so many <laughs> goddamn barrels everywhere <laughs> and if they cut it from the game because that'd be just ridiculous but um, that's like I, uh... I can't think of another reason why there would be just gas can sitting directly under this live wire.
1: It's like uh, like that Monster Factory video where they play Fallout 4, and at the end, he's just like, he's figured out how to summon things into the world, and it's just like, what happens if I summon one million landmines? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, this just of...
2: spawn them all into the exact same location.
1: Right. Maybe that's what Bakura was doing. Bakura opened up the terminal commands for the simulation, and was figuring out what the hex codes were for summoning various objects into the world. So he couldn't quite figure out stairs, so that's when he summoned electrical box. Ah, damn it, all right. Uh, well, let me try stairs again. Uh, EF018, ah, shoot, that's gas cans. Uh, EF019 stairs, cool, okay, all right, here we go to the upstairs. Uh, that That won't come up again, I'm sure. <laughs> He's playing Gmod this
2: whole time. <laughs> exactly. That's how he was able to get upstairs. He just no-clipped through the wall.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so uh, all of that happens very, very quickly, right? And we cut to outside... Tristan and Taya and Joey are still chasing these fucking arrows in the alleyway. If you remember from last episode, Uh, the 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 cunning trickster, mind control bandit Keith, uh, put up arrows pointing to the warehouse, and then switched them all, or then Bakura switched them all up.
2: Yeah, and they've been following the arrows the whole time because they're just dumb as rocks,
1: right? And like, I want to remind you, some of these arrows were literally just pointing like up or down.
2: Yeah, straight into the ground. Right. And they're like, wow, this is so confusing. But fortunately, they see this like plume of smoke in the distance. And they're like, hmm, I bet Yugi's over there. Yeah,
1: which really makes you wonder about your friends. You know, if you see a plume of smoke and your first thought is, my best friend's probably
2: over there. I know when I see a warehouse fire in the distance, uh, I, I think to myself, yep, that's classic Tyler. You know...
1: I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you If that's the kind of reaction you have I feel like it might be time to reconsider who your friends
2: are uh, so Yugi, help... the arsonist
1: <laughs> so, He's just arson around So they start running off And then we cut back to, to Yugi uh, And the fire is spreading Like, I don't know what was in this warehouse But boy, does it catch flame
2: For being made out of sheet metal It sure is flammable yeah, like is Because it's, everything it's, is catching on fire.
1: Is the hologram material like is it like aerosoled alcohol or something? Because it it just like shoom, everything just goes up. And Yugi is trying to get the puzzle off the chain. And he keeps tugging on it, and I can just see him asking himself, damn it, why did I get this new chain?
2: <laughs> yeah, this brand new, like, super thick, heavy chain just won't break. It's too strong for him to just yank it off. And he he's, I guess he's too short, but he could just, like, undo the carabiner on the other end.
1: Yeah, that's what I've been wondering this whole time. You can see it's got this, like, D-ring that's got, like, uh, it's one of those with a security screw on it. So you, yeah, you it's can't... one of
2: those carabiners for like rock climbing or whatever.
1: Yeah, and like you could technically just reach up and and undo it, but he's also three foot nothing. So, so he keeps pulling, and he he's he decides to uh, keep trying to put the puzzle back together because maybe if he can get the spirit soul back, uh, the two of them can do something. I don't
2: yeah. know, that, but something. Uh, he's He has a weird line here. Hmm. Instead of fleeing, uh, he's trying to solve this puzzle, and Yugi thinks, even if I don't make it, at least he will.
1: Oh, yeah. Which, like, how would that actually work, though, Yugi? Because, like, wouldn't somebody else then have to take the Millennium item? Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I, I could be mistaken. Isn't that what we don't want? We don't want other people to have it.
2: Some random firefighter gets it and he's like, no, the power of the Millennium Puzzle will be mine. That would actually be a much more interesting show.
1: And probably much more useful to Yami. But yeah, it's just like he says it like he expects the Millennium Puzzle to fucking like sprout legs and walk off.
2: Yeah, like he... Maybe he needs the puzzle to be complete so the pharaoh can use his shadow energy to like give him super strength like Bakura had just rip it out of the wall.
1: Could be. Could be as as we've determined shadow energy is mass. So
2: <laughs> But I'm wondering would fire even affect the millennium puzzle because it's metal.
1: I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of metal, right? Like yeah, is it is solid it gold? gold? Cuz if gold so would then melt. Yeah, absolutely. Is it I don't know what metal has the highest melting point probably steel boron (laughs) boron no that's from zelda uh metal oh god this is gonna put me on some kind of list with highest melting point
2: it's tungsten
1: tungsten oh i guess that makes sense huh yeah okay all right tungsten
2: yeah i don't think ancient egypt had access to tungsten though
1: yeah okay yeah uh okay let's do a similar thing uh let's do what was the i'm typing one handed is why i type so slow uh puzzle me one handed because i'm holding the microphone you weirdos uh (laughs) What was the Millennium Puzzle made out of? Uh, Millennium Puzzle, Yu-Gi-Oh! Ah, the Wikia. Thank God, Yu-Gi-Oh. slash wiki slash Millennium underscore Puzzle.
2: I do want to point out, uh, tungsten does have the highest tensile strength of metal. Hmm. So maybe the chain is made out of tungsten.
1: Oh, Yugi just shelled out with his uh his. With King his of pocket money. Winnings. Uh.
2: A pure tungsten chain, so no <laughs> one can take the puzzle off his neck, even though it's a loop. It's
1: unobtainium. Uh, do do do. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy, can I read you just the first like chunk uh, under the history section uh, for the millennium item?
2: Oh, please tell me more about the millennium puzzle.
1: Uh, so the Millennium Puzzle says: History, ancient Egypt, three thousand years before present day events. Five thousand in the dub. The Millennium Pendant and the original name for the Millennium Puzzle and the other Millennium items were forged in Kol Elna by sacrificing ninety nine souls of the Kol Elna villagers. The items were created in order to protect Egypt from attackers. Pharaoh Aknamcanon was given the pendant, while six priests were given the other six items. Together they fought off the attackers and saved Egypt. After Aknamkan became aware how the items were created, he fell ill and died shortly afterward. The pendant was inherited by his son Atem. The pendant was later stolen from Teenage Atem. Damn,
2: by this thief went keen... full full metal alchemist, real oh quick.
1: Absolutely it did. Uh the pendant was later stolen Hello? from Teenage Oh, are you there?
2: Tyler, I can't hear you.
1: Uh, so what happened here is Jimmy's Wi-Fi completely dropped out, and he had to restart his whole computer. So he is going to do that now, and it will be a minute here, and then we are going to <laughs> clap back in and, and pick up on uh, that. Yes.
2: Weird, okay. but okay.
1: Uh, all right. So time we're back. Is. Jimmy's Wi-Fi is working again. Uh, yeah. Time dot is, uh, dude, Just get, name a time.
2: Uh, uh, five. All right. There we go.
1: Cool. Okay.
2: So you were telling me about the Millennium Puzzle.
1: I was. Uh, the the long and the short of it is the Millennium Puzzle has a long and sorted history. I. <laughs> I contemplated reading the rest of that article uh, on the podcast, but realized it'll just come up in later episodes. And then I it realized it'll come up in much later episodes. The history of the Millennium Puzzle is not talked about until about episode 199. Holy shit. Jimmy, we are currently on episode 51.
2: <laughs> well, I'll see you in, uh, let's see here, another Three, four years?
1: Yeah, probably probably another two years at least. Um, so anyway, so let's just move on with the, the episode, I think. Uh, the next thing that happens here is uh, Tristan, Taya, and Joey find the warehouse. And holding true to the gender roles that have clearly done us all so much good, uh, the boys decide that they will try to get into the warehouse while Taya uh, does her womanly duty and calls 911.
2: Yep. And I'm, they I'm start sure, trying I'm, to knock in the door.
1: I'm sure that was not the intention here. Like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it was just like, I mean, Teya could also help, right? Uh so the 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 guys go to knock in the door. Uh, I do want to
2: point out, I was yeah. curious. Uh in Japan, uh instead of nine one one, it's one one nine, which oh. calls fire and ambulance services. Police are one ten. One one zero. Oh
1: interesting. Okay. That's nice. That's the thing I, I could never stand about like maybe this was just like a Portland thing, but we had a, a like a normal ass phone number for like non emergency police calls. Uh that's still the case, right? That hasn't changed.
2: As far as I know.
1: And then like nine one one is the serious stuff, right? Yeah. And here it's nine 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 for the serious stuff or one 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 for non emergencies. Huh, okay. I really wish that you could do like 222 for like a pretty serious non-emergency, and then it's, then it's just like a range, like 333, 444, all the way up to 999. Turns out it doesn't work that way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That'd be a little too confusing. Yeah, it's a little much. Running even... 10 different emergency phone numbers. Right,
1: right. Uh, so uh, Yugi is uh, desperately trying to put the puzzle together while the fire spreads, Uh, he has that weird line, like you mentioned, where he's saying, even if I don't make it, maybe the spirit will, uh, and, uh, Tristan and Joey knock down the door and bandit
2: key. Yeah. They spend like a full minute trying to smash the door down and failing.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's that full, like they're, they're running at it and sort of putting their weight into it, you know, uh, trying to, trying to outman each other out macho each other. And as soon as they knock it in, Bandit Keith gets up and just like books it past them.
2: And they both go, Uh, was that is that is that is that Bandit Keith? Is that Bandit Keith there? Yeah, he I mean, runs past them out of this inferno and yells, This place is haunted. And just <laughs> books it out the door. Bye, Bandit how, Keith.
1: Exactly how I vow to exit every building from now on.
2: <laughs> this place is haunted!
1: Uh, So they, they get in, they find Yugi, and it is at the exact moment that he solves the puzzle and immediately passes out from the heat.
2: Yeah, they're like, Yugi, what are you doing? And he says, I can't leave yet, guys. I've got to finish putting together the Millennium Puzzle. Meanwhile, like, huge gouts of flame are, like, three feet away from him.
1: Right and it's like uh, yeah okay it's like it's fine but again as our whole metal conversation went the millennium puzzle's probably going to be okay if we just let this situation play itself out
2: yeah it's not just a regular artifact either it has like magical powers so it should be okay right but yugi's like i can't leave without my puzzle and then he passes out and the guys seeing their best friend pass out from smoke inhalation are just like, hmm, he's right. We better get this puzzle out of here. (laughs) We (laughs) can just leave Yugi on the floor for now as we try and get this puzzle. And,
1: like, Joey has, like, an actually good idea for once. He he sort of does, like, a divide and conquer because he realizes somehow uh, that Yugi's cards, Yugi's Duel Monsters cards, are, like, still on the duel podium.
2: Oh, I didn't even write a note about this, but yes.
1: yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, Tristan, you get his deck... (laughs) <laughs> and, like, all start pulling on the Millennium Puzzle. And I didn't realize until just this moment that that means that all of Bandit Keith's cards are probably also on Bandit Keith's side of the podium, right? Like, yeah. they're over there on the other side of the arena. One of the most powerful and rare magic cards in the game, supposedly, is just sitting over there for the taking, right?
2: Yeah, so while like, everyone's monsters just have their idle animation.
1: Yeah, if, if only... I mean, I guess I should be glad that Joey had at least the foresight to realize, like, oh, his cards are up there. If only they'd checked the other side. And like you're saying, Yugi could just build a deck of actually powerful cards rather than fucking around with Beaver
0: Warrior
2: still. but they So, um, Joey picks up that same pole that Bandit Keith was swatting around.
1: Ah, yes, the Madman's pole. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and he finds another one next to it, and he and Tristan just take turns just kind of hitting the ring that's holding the Millennium Puzzle with the pole. Because that's that's the way to solve problems. (laughs) Just smack it. It's a metal ring, and they're just trying to smack it until it breaks.
1: I mean, again, I think the people in the show have skewed views of what sharp and dull mean. Like, I think they think that any object can cut any other object. And I think that they think that because sometimes they're proven true.
2: So they take just they just take turns smacking the ring with a pole until they remember levers exist. And Joey is like, hey, why don't we just take this long pole, stick half of it into the ring and then lever it off of the side of this wall?
1: Yeah, like, okay, bravo, good. You took a physics class once in your life. All right. Uh, but then they try it, and that doesn't work either.
2: Well, kind of.
1: It, it kind of does. It, it works, eventually does. It works eventually, yes, that's the thing. So they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying to figure out, like, various sort of positions to put themselves in. Uh, and what Meanwhile. happens is— Oh, no, go ahead.
2: Meanwhile, outside, Taya is there yelling at them, be careful, watch out, there's a fire. Right. Uh, and then some firefighters show up, and they have—they apparently have enough time to get the, the fire hoses out and are hosing down the building. Uh, Taya doesn't bother telling them that her friends are it, trapped inside, right. so no one comes <laughs> in to rescue these kids.
1: They're exhibiting no caution at all regarding the three children inside. <laughs> Like, this building is ready to come down on these humans, is the thing. Yeah, the
2: entire thing is engulfed. Uh, Someone just washed the entire thing with with gasoline.
1: (laughs) And so the thing that happens that's baffling to me is, like, they're they're pulling and they're pulling, and it's not working, it's not working. And finally, eventually, the hook comes out, and it's just a smooth stake. It's not a screw, it's not, like you know, anything that would have held in there, it's like a giant nail, basically. That yeah. for some reason takes two full grown man children, two two, you know, athletic teens and a, a fulcrum and lever situation to pull out, even though there is no visible grip on it whatsoever.
2: Yeah. And it was just jammed into the side of the uh, the dual arena. It doesn't Which seem is apparently... like it would be concrete or anything.
1: Right. Like, I, I figured it would be like a metal face over, like, some wires or some shit, right? Like, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's a solid piece.
2: Some, like, scaffolding inside for the computers. Right. Probably, like, computer racks in there handling all the simulation, but... If I stab something into my computer, I'll very easily be able to pull it out again.
0: Yeah, not that I, I I'm mean,
2: going to try and do that.
1: No, I mean you may want to after that Wi-Fi thing, but yeah. Uh, like is it a is it a shadow realm hook? Is that what this is like? Also, why couldn't one of the taller boys just reach up and undo the the D ring? Like they can reach the carabiner from there.
2: Well, as we've seen before, Tyler, they're just dumb as bricks. Fair point. (laughs) So they finally get out, and then they take Yugi and the puzzle out of the burning building. Yeah,
1: Tristan carries Yugi out in his arms, like, damsel in distress style, and it's very good. (laughs) Uh, And
2: that's it, and then it just cuts to the hospital, and everyone's okay.
1: Yay! Yay! Uh, I just had a few notes about this. Like, A, Yugi has cool PJs. They're like light blue PJs with stars on them. I definitely want a pair. Uh, Tristan and Joey fight over who was more heroic when really it was Taya that called 911 who were the people that put the fire out and did the actual work. Uh, so I think Tristan and Joey are stealing valor. Uh, and uh, Yugi gets them to stop fighting by bribing them with hospital food which seems like the worst bribe ever.
2: Yeah, that's the reverse of a bribe.
1: Yeah, he says, he says like, stop fighting or I won't give you my hospital food. What would have worked on a normal person would be stop fighting or I will feed you my hospital food.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but instead they, like, go over it and like, okay, I'm going to, I call dibs on the sandwich here. Here, Tristan, you can have the blue jello or something like that.
1: And then what is this note here about Tristan mocking Joey?
2: Oh yeah, there. Um, Tristan kind of makes fun of Joey for having the smart idea of using the the pole to get the thing off. It was just a weird. Oh moment. yeah, he's
1: like smooth move, Xlax. You you had to grab the pole to do anything useful. Yeah. I
2: don't it, know. It was just weird.
1: It, yeah, and then like, and then Taya goes off, right? So Taya leaves. Tay doesn't want any of the hospital food, which smart, and has this sort of monologue with herself about realizing, okay, uh, Yugi is in actual danger now. I feel weird about this. Like nobody fully understands or respects the amount of power at play. Uh, further proving that Taya is really the only person that has any clear sense of what's going on
2: yeah Taya's the only smart one she basically lays out okay ever since Yugi solved this puzzle there have been people trying to get their hands on it and now people are willing to like burn him alive to get at it Yeah, that's the and... sort of danger we're in now right
1: and I'm sure at this point like Yugi has to have mentioned the mind control thing right at the very has least he? I mean, at the very least, Tristan and Joey would have mentioned seeing Bandit Keith.
2: You would think. Maybe they not. They haven't.
1: Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Like, I it it feels like it's it's this. I I only pointed out as interesting because Taya has literally nothing magical about her, right? Like, she is the least magical person in this show, uh, and is somehow the person like in the most no as far as. The magical dangers at play here
2: yeah she compensates for having no magical ability by being smart enough to like actually acknowledge like the power of magic and what it can do right stay
1: in school kids learn about the dangers of magic <laughs> uh but that's the end of the episode it kind of fades yeah. out on that uplifting note Jimmy, that's what was the your, end of the episode what was your favorite part of that episode
2: uh my favorite part of this episode, there wasn't a whole lot here. Uh we did get to see some more magical stuff happen and we kinda got a more of a glimpse into the Millennium items. Uh I yeah. think my my favorite part was uh Bad Kura putting a fragment of himself in the Millennium puzzle. I think that's uh pretty cool. I think we're gonna have some good story hooks for later. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it seems like it'll be pretty interesting to see what what that does.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that was my favorite as well, actually. I, I like the trope of the show where the characters with the best and smartest plans and who seem to have the most insight into how things work are also kind of the most inconsequential Yeah, Uh, I I think I think that being Taya and Bakura probably. And this is one of the few times where Bakura has been like, "Ahaha, mine is an evil plan. And here I will enact it. Whereas before he was just like, I have an evil plan. And then that's kind of all you hear.
2: A lot of Bakura and anyone in this episode, including the the mind control guy, um, have been kind of like um asides in Shakespeare plays where everything just pauses and it's just them talking to the audience about what they're doing and what they think about stuff I feel like no
1: no actual action was really taken by Bakura until now no
2: this is the first time we've really seen him do anything he's taken actions before but not like acted on his own plan really besides like I'm evil now
1: Right, right, right. He's he's sort of done minor things to demonstrate evilness, but those have all been sort of tangential to the plans that he's monologued about for episodes on end.
2: Yeah, here he sees a problem, he sees what he needs to do uh, to keep his vision of the future in line, uh, and he acts on it. Yeah. And then he just leaves, though, <laughs>
1: which is yeah, kind of stupid. Yeah, He doesn't really see it through. I mean, it's going to come back, but, like, you know. Uh, how about your least favorite part?
2: Tyler, we've just gone through an entire two part episode arc. Mm-hmm. And most of the last one was the duel versus Bandit Keith. But this is the. As far as I remember, this is the only duel in the entire show that has gone completely unresolved. Nobody wins this duel. The duel arena was abandoned.
1: Yeah, I to think to if there's another.
2: This we just might, watched an entire yeah. duel only for the outcome to not matter at all. Right. No matter who won, it was going to end the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like I I can't think of another episode that has a duel that doesn't finish necessarily. I'm trying to th- think.
2: Huh? Yeah, I mean, <clears> hmm. <throat> I'm wondering if that will lead into some story arc where um, Yugi has, like, te- for, like in-game rules, he's still in the duel. And maybe in the future we'll see uh, the mind control guy come back and, like, pick up where he left off with the same, like, health points and everything. But I doubt it.
1: Oh, yeah. That would be... Oh, man. That would like, make he's sense. He's still if in like... a
2: shadow game the entire time for the rest of however much, many
1: yeah. episodes. Yeah. Like, I feel like if we were in, like, a shadow game, shadow game, that would be the case. But I have a feeling the duel arena, like, normal game game probably doesn't follow those same rules. No, it's toast. That would be, re- be really good, though. I-, I like that. Huh.
2: I was just wondering, because the in the last episode, uh, the rules of getting a Millennium item was you have to beat the other person in a duel to get it. And so the Millennium Puzzle is sort of in limbo right now. Yeah, where there's a st- technically there's still a duel ongoing,
1: unless technically one of them forfeited somehow.
2: I guess Bandit Keith did abandon it first by rushing out the door.
1: Right, but isn't the way to forfeit in duel monsters putting your hand over your deck?
2: I guess so. And also, you didn't he do wasn't. That. And he wasn't technically the one playing. He was the one moving all the cards and stuff. Right. But he was being mind-controlled.
1: Right. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see if that comes up later. I I genuinely don't remember.
2: I bet it doesn't.
1: Yeah, knowing the show, it probably won't. But that would be interesting if it did.
2: (laughs) What was your worst part of this episode?
1: I think my worst part of this episode was just like... uh, How pointless the first two-thirds were. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were cool. We got some, like, cool card mechanics and stuff. But they didn't need to be in this episode. Not really.
2: No. Really,
1: I mean, and the summary says this as well. Like, really, all the important stuff is in the last third.
2: Yeah, the sum- the summary of the episode doesn't even mention the duel.
1: Right. It's just kind of like, okay, the puzzle gets smashed. Yugi has to put it back together. And the building's on fire.
2: Yeah, here's the actual important story beats.
1: Right, and that's all like the last five minutes of the episode.
2: (laughs) The entire duel was inconsequential,
1: which is really a shame because like some cool stuff happened in that duel. We got solemn judgment. We got mirror force. We got living arrow. We got some cool back and forth. We got uh uh uh, uh, what was that something to the doomed card temple to the doomed.
2: Oh, the I've lost it annihilator mummy thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, like that was cool um man i thought it.
2: yeah I, all that stuff happened and it doesn't matter that's tribute my worst. to the doomed
1: there it is uh yeah all this stuff happened and it did not mean two shits that not sucks. even one shit not even not even a half a shit jimmy <laughs> uh so that was my worst uh do you have anything else you want to you want to mention about this episode i feel like we've
2: no it's, we all, have. it's all burnt up We have mined all we could from this episode.
1: I think so. Let's move on. It's time for the Monster Bracket.
0: Do, 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 do.
1: Do, 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 do. Jimmy, this week, you have written the introductions for our two monsters that will be going head to head in the Monster Bracket, the Battle City Beatdown, the Championship of Dual Monsters from Season 2. Do you want to read those off for me?
2: Okay, but uh, I will say that I only had like a minute to write each of these, so they're not good.
1: Oh, they're, <laughs> trust me, they're as good as I think these monsters deserve.
2: <laughs> All right. It's big, it's bad, it's spooky as hell. Give it up for Lord of Zemia She's young and sweet, but shimmers with dark energy. The monster that launched a thousand fan arts. It's Dark Magician Girl. (laughs) Yep, finally we see Dark Magician Girl. Dark Magician
1: Girl, the face that launched a thousand fan arts.
2: I do want to say, when I was looking up the card information for Dark Magician Girl... There's there's no selfies on the website with Lord of Zemia. There's a bunch with Dark Magician Girl.
1: Oh, are there really? Okay, I need to pull that back up. I, You know, okay, so let's talk about these monsters real quick. Lord of Zemia really got short shrift on, uh, on the Yu-Gi-Oh! page here. If you go to yugioh.com slash card slash lord hyphen of slash Zemia, Z-E-M-I-A. been told I have to say Zed now. Uh, this card is a normal monster with 1300 attack, 1000 defense, it's level four, dark attribute, and fiend type in the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game. Note, all of that comes from just the notes section on the site.
2: Yeah, I don't know if someone goofed while writing up the information about it, or if it's like special in some way.
1: It could be, I don't know. So this, this card actually shows up in the next episode. Uh, but it lists like a section for attribute level, type, attack, defense. All of those are left N-A, and all of the information for the card is put in the notes section. Uh, so, So there it is, 1,300 attack, 1,000 defense. Dark Magician Girl has 2,000 attack, 1700 defense. It's a level 6 dark spellcaster monster and its text says gains 300 attack for every dark magician or magician of black chaos in the graveyard. Jimmy, how you feeling just ab- about the art on both of these? Do you want to describe the the card pictures?
2: Yeah, Lord of let's start with Lord of Zemia or Zemia, yeah. I can't tell. Um Zemia. Lord of Zemia is just kind of what you'd expect a dark dragon kind of thing to look like. Uh, actually, looking at it now, I don't know if you've seen any of the Godzilla movies, but it looks like yeah, a destroyer. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you know what destroyer looks like. I can picture it's it. It's just a, a dark dragon. There's not much else to say about it. Uh I...
1: I think it's kind of know, more
2: like, monstrous than a dragon.
1: Yeah, the the one, like, notable thing for me, or I guess two notable things. Uh, Number one, it has purple teeth, which is scary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm assuming those are teeth anyway. Uh, And then if you look at the bottom right-hand corner of the card, there's an eye?
2: I was just about to mention that. Yeah, I can't tell what part of the body that is sticking out from, but it looks like there's a giant eyeball embedded in it and, and it's also like, like abdomen. A, it's abdomen yeah and then there's also like a worm tail snaking out of it yeah so it's kind of like
1: it's like a mr potato head of dragons you just kind of put the wrong parts in the wrong places i think
2: <laughs> lord of zemia is not having a good time no uh, uh, I, <laughs> I did pull up its uh card description which is a wicked entity that manipulates enemies towards a path of destruction
1: Okay, alright. Path of Destruction, I'm into it.
2: It's spooky. Uh, Do you want to describe uh, what uh, Dark Magician Girl looks like for the one person who doesn't know what Dark Magician Girl looks like?
1: Yeah, how... Okay, A, how did you get this far into the episode of the podcast about Yu-Gi-Oh and not know what Dark Magician Girl looks like? Uh b dark magician girl we've seen in the show she's we
2: haven't seen her in the show yet have we
1: uh i think we saw her once in season one did we i'm pretty sure i don't
2: think i've seen her at all
1: uh she's dark magician but a girl uh she's got blonde hair Uh, she's got this like magician armor. So, you know, that hat that dark magician has.
2: Yeah. It's like a big cornucopia type thing.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a good description and it's blue and pink. Uh, and she's got this like, uh, dress armor thing that like shows off her shoulders uh, that's blue and pink as well. It's got these red sort of gems in it, and she holds a staff uh, that is blue and pink and has this like gold swirl at the top. Uh, I noticed too, the page on YuGiOh.com also has three different like uh, card art pictures for her that you can switch between, which mm. I think further goes to prove how much of like a like waifu fan art sort of treasure trove dark magician girl is uh, because like she is the, uh, the, the tie in uh, what's the word I'm looking for. There's gotta be a name for this, right? Like art. No, like she is the go to, I want to start drawing anime on deviant art sort of character. Oh yeah. Right. Like this is the default female character that you draw when you are a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh
2: yeah it's the the dark magician but sexy
1: yeah dark magician plus boobs
2: is is basically yeah uh
1: and if you google dark magician girl oh this is gonna get this is gonna get interesting
2: i have an image search of dark magician girl up right now just to see like the official art and there's like a whole bunch of sponsored posts from like ebay that's just lewd uh versions of the card oh yeah you can get
1: yeah you do not have to scroll far for it to be uh not safe for work actually oh dear oh my the top oh this this upsets me (laughs) (laughs) the the first image actually that comes up uh is a dark magician girl card that can't be real uh but it's an image of Dark Magician Girl with a Karibo like in between her
2: breasts. Oh, yes. This is very much uh, an altar of the card. That just... there, there's no way that's official card art. No. This is some extremely horny person who has made this art. So it's okay. a whole bunch of from the same. It's I called have... sexy Dark Magician Girl. I have, I have They're all the from the same oh, it's on Etsy.
1: Of course. I Okay, so that's the frustrating thing for me about Dark Magician Girl, and that's the reason why I struggle to, like, describe her look, is it's very much leaning into that, like, draw fan art of me, yay, uh sort of thing. So in that regard, I do have to give the edge to Lord of Zemia.
2: Yeah. Zemia. As far as I know, who knows how it's pronounced? It's as Zemia. As far as I know, no one has drawn lewd fan art of Lord of Zemia. Uh,
0: Maybe they have. If
1: you have drawn lewd fanart of Lord of Zemia, please send it to us. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. So so there's that. If we're talking about stats, though, I do have to give the edge to Dark Magician Girl.
2: Yeah, she is much more powerful than Lord of Zemia.
1: She is. She's seventeen or pardon me, seven hundred attack more powerful than than Lord of Zemia. Additionally, the text of the card I feel like is super important. So if we look at just the art for Dark Magician Girl, it's very much like this card was invented for the male gaze, right? Like this, oh, this sure. is This is the fan service. That's the word I was looking for before. Fan service card.
2: Oh, she is 100% fan service.
1: But if you read the card text, everything changes. She gains 300 attack for every Dark Magician or, black, or Magician of Black Chaos in the graveyard not when they're out in the field not when the boys go out ahead of her once the male cards have gone to the graveyard dark magician girl gains power
2: so once dark magician fucking dies she becomes more powerful she's harvesting his necromantic energy
1: dark magician girl's power is literally toppling the patriarchy
2: that is actually a pretty good uh combo
1: it's good right like it's it's it makes mechanical sense and it makes me feel better about like the card in general because it is also powerful on its own and then becomes more powerful when it is acting on its own right like if you wanted to go if you wanted to go the like damsel not damsel in distress sort of route but if you wanted to go the other way with it you would say that the card gains attack when Dark Magician is on the field. Like like they gain power from Dark Magician. But this way, saying it's when Dark Magician is in the graveyard, you're implying, okay, Dark Magician came and did its thing. That wasn't quite enough. Now let's call in the big guns and bring out Dark Magician Girl.
2: Yeah. And it she gets more powerful for Lord of Chaos. To bring out Lord of Chaos, don't you have to sacrifice Dark Magician? Because you I, like polymerize it with something, right? I or think there's so. There's like a certain ritual. There's a there's if a I ritual right.
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if uh, uh Dark Magician of Chaos or Magician of Dark Chaos or whatever it is, uh is in the graveyard, I think that would also imply that Dark Magician is also in the graveyard. So yeah. Hmm. So in that way I have to give the edge to dark magician girl but i I want to hear your thoughts because i was she is
2: more powerful uh than lord of zemia for sure uh i feel like i assume that she is going to be more relevant later in the series we just haven't seen her in the anime at all yet
1: Yeah, I again, I feel like we did see her like a couple episodes ago. I could be wrong. I'm like trying to look it up. I swear I have not
2: seen her in the anime before.
1: Uh, well, luckily, the website has a list of every episode that the card has appeared in. Uh, let's see season four, season four, season three. Uh, am I wrong? Oh, no, you appear to be correct. I don't know the fuck I was thinking of. Uh, According to this, it looks like the first appearance is season two, episode eleven. Well, so yeah, we're
2: definitely not there yet.
1: Huh? I feel like we saw her already, but I must be wrong. Uh, so yeah, so we're not there yet. But yeah, she she'll she'll be more relevant, I think. I mean, certainly to become that popular, right?
2: Yeah. But I feel like most of the reason she is popular is for fan service reasons.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. I
2: think Lord of Zemia is at an unfair disadvantage here. Yeah. Because he's not a sexy anime girl.
1: Uh yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, it's kind of a that's a that's an uphill battle.
2: Yeah, I don't th- just in terms of like popularity, he there's no way Lord of Zemia is going to win this battle.
1: No. And
2: he is outclassed by dark magician girl in every possible way yeah other than looking spooky and gross
1: right i mean if this were a if this were a who looks spookier and grosser battle lord of zemia would have it yeah but unfortunately i think this means we have to give it to dark magician girl
2: i feel bad giving it to dark magician girl but i agree i yeah i feel I, like I've... poor lord of zemia doesn't have enough interesting characteristics by itself yes. to stand up to dark magician girl it's just a dark Spooky dragon monster. There's yeah. nothing particularly compelling about it. And
1: this is this is sort of like a this is like a globe trotters versus uh, the Washington. Uh, paid, what, what are they called? The generals.
2: Generals. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, you, you feel bad for him, right? Yeah, he's like,
2: he's literally just here to get dunked on.
1: Right. Right. So yes, congratulations, Dark Magician Girl. Was it earned? Uh, but Jimmy, this does mean uh, that we will have a more interesting battle next time Dark Magician comes around because this puts Dark Magician Girl in the same matchup as Zero the Mant.
2: Ah, so well, that when
1: that, be that be comes a, a, a back bat- around, a we'll more be able interesting to. Battle. Yeah, we'll be able to debate that when that when that occurs. So, with that out of the way, Jimmy, it has come time to end the episode.
2: We, are, we have reached the end of the episode, and the warehouse is fully on fire. Let's get out of here.
1: <laughs> I was tempted to just fully cut right there. <laughs> but uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, you can find Jimmy's other podcast at the da podcast, D-A-H podcast on Twitter, uh, dungeonsagainsthumanity.net. Uh, Jimmy, is it the last episode just came out of season one? Or uh, the... I think it's
2: the second to last. The second episode. to
1: last. Cool. So now is the perfect time to get caught up.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah. If that's, I talk about it every time. If that's the sort of thing that you'd be interested in, uh, go check it out. Dungeons against humanity, the card where we play D and D or the, the podcast where we play D and D and draw cards against humanity cards for inspiration for NPCs and effects in the world and that sort of thing.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, remember, as always, because we make this show for free, please send your money to places where it can be used properly, uh, such as Yellowhammer Fund, yellowhammer.org, uh, Translifeline, translifeline.org, and the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, pancan.org. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing a bonus episode because Jimmy is going to be gone for his birthday. Happy birthday, Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, the, the big, the big, what should I, should I reveal?
2: (sighs) I'm turning 30. I have a lot of thoughts about it.
1: It happens. Uh, It happens to all of us.
2: Uh, anyway, my parents are coming up and we are, I'm going to be going with them on a trip to Jasper, Canada, which should be very fun. I've been there as a kid, but I don't remember it at all.
1: Jimmy, I just had a horrible thought, and we can close the episode on this. What? Can I start calling your dad Bandit Keith?
2: His name is Keith. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'll have, he will have no idea what the heck you're talking about if you call him Bandit Keith. <laughs> but he has been known to wear bandanas on occasion.
1: Oh, uh, perfect. You can call
2: him Bandit Keith if you want.
1: Happy Father's Day, Bandit Keith.
2: <laughs> I'll tell him you said hi.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, folks. Until next time. This place is haunted.